Tell me Coco. Tell me Coco. <laughs> music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, a.k.a. Colette Prosper. I'm a TV writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from, uh, let's see, doing the butt to does Tom Felton really live in Venice, uh, a.k.a. Draco Malfoy, and does he want to meet up for a hike? Um, But this week, instead of an Oscars recap... We're going to nerd out over two distinctly different movies that connect in um, some really interesting ways. And we're going to talk about them with my friend Miju. Uh, But before I introduce my friend and fellow film aficionado, some housekeeping. If you like this show, please give it five stars on Apple. Write a review, subscribe. It really helps people to find the show. So let's kick off the uh, show with a sketch called uh, Best Cat at the Oscars. Sketch. This year, since this is the first live maskless ceremony in a train station, and America is still, like the rest of the world, deep in the throes of the pandemic, leaving many wondering how a maskless ceremony is possible, we've also decided to further disorient you by expanding the actor category. (gasps) Presenting the nominees for Best Cat will be the fabulous Katie Purry. Nominees for Best Cat are... Cat close in cat food allergy. I'm on this new diet, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to get up and feed me, and then change my water. It stinks. Marshmallow the Great, and cats got to fly. Don't you see me out? I. I can't stop. You gotta stop it with the catnip. Yeah, yo, meow, not making it easy. Way and Kit Kat shamble shakes in the wrong litter. Didn't cry the first time you switched my litter from feline pine to breeze. But now I'm mad. And I'm not gonna take it anymore. A Susie Bubbles. I love to eat. I got a weight problem. Can't wait to eat. Yeah, wise jiggles in the fashion mouse. Is there some reason that my food isn't here? Has she died or something? And the Oscar goes to... Marshmallow the Great in Cats Got to Fly. 
Man, man, thank you, God, bro. You, you, you out here, man, cat, cat. It's, it's so hard to make a movie with the cat, but you did, and that's me. I'm a cat, and, and that's amazing. Thank you, bro. Thank you for trusting cats, bro. Man, man, cat, cat. Mom mated with another cat, and they had a litter, bro. Mama, you're here at the Oscars. Everyone, my mom, Queen Mama is here. Is she coming to the stage? Hey. Oh, marshmallow. Meow, you embarrass me. Queen Mama, don't hit me. Meow, I just want a thank you, you know? You gave me a factory settings. Mom, man. Hey, hey, you write a speech before you get here. I say what I feel, please, Mom. Now you're the one embarrassing me. Hey, excuse me. Oh, man. Oh, did you see cats? You don't have to leave the stage. This is going on too long. Meow I don't hear no orchestra. This is my son's moment. You sound sad. Hey, hey, it's okay. We go. Thank you. How about we play a song? Oh, wait a second. That's the butt. And that is how we will remember the 2021 Oscars forever. Okay, and we're back. Uh, with me today is my friend Miju to talk about two movies in particular that are so different, but somehow have a, a common link, maybe. Let's find out. Are, are we going to pull this one out of our ass, Miju, or is this is this for real? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. It's going to be yes. so fun. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes. So the movie, the movies are uh, uh, 2004's Before Sunset with Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy and 2019's The Sound of Metal with Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook. Uh, so, you know, we're recording this episode a few days before the Oscars. We'll get into that shortly. Um, who knows who will win at this point? Will Nomad Land win big? I don't know. Do you do you predict? What do you think? I mean, I, I do. I, I just did my work uh, Oscar poll and uh, uh-huh. I there were there were a few films that I was very leaning to. But uh, what it looks like in my predictions uh, because this is afterwards, so I'll either sound like I'm really knowledgeable or I sound like I failed immensely. Uh, will be yes, that, and uh, people can throw stones at you. Yeah, and people can yeah, you. they'll like stone me and be like, "You were wrong about yeah. all of these things," but they won't like blame me because I didn't help with their pool at all because this was after the fact. But right. the technical awards will probably, ironically, go to Sound of Metal, which I think we'll be talking about, and then yes. uh, the costume and the costume and makeup awards will probably go to Ma Rainey's which is an incredible film and uh Nomad's Land will probably take away uh the actress and director and best picture because that's how it's looking yeah Uh, those those all stand to to win uh also Mank although I've never I have not seen Mank uh it's nominated for most of the uh nomination it is it is uh i someone was saying this the other day someone was like uh 
you know, uh, people were talking about Citizen Kane and how people are like Citizen Kane movies that no one actually admits they like. And I'm like, yeah. I actually guilty pleasure very much love Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of like, I know I'm, I'm a, yeah, like, Give me my like white boy card now, I guess, because I do like Citizen Kane, uh, and I and I and no, I actually, I've never ever seen it. It's you know, it's a I need to see it. It's actually a really fun movie for another day to talk about because I do enjoy it, yes. and and if you like Citizen Kane, I think it it helps you go into watching Mank a little bit, but um, it's mm-hmm. you know that's again like a we don't need Mank. I think we'll get production design. Uh, they, oh wow! That is for a black and white film. I think that's that's a great achievement. Um, there's a there's a lot of like you know, uh, for Oscars being as special as they are normally, there's going to be a lot of like like films that like deserve certain things, and a lot of films that didn't. Uh, I always love yeah. reading predictions when I say when people say it's like there's the there's the film that's going to the win, and like then there's the mm-hmm. film that you that should win and the film that should win isn't always the film that's going to win so my predictions are very different than what I felt like I I'll say that I you 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 put your predictions in because you want to win in a pool but you don't Mm -hmm. you know it's like I I also used to like I grew up watching Detroit Lions but they never won anything so I'm never (laughs) going to that's not the pool I'm gonna go but you believed yeah I'm a little like an underdog but but it never happens you know so it's um they're they're like especially in the shorts category like there are tons Uh of great films that were in live action shorts and animation shorts this year and the films that win and I know we've talked about I I did watch that short so uh I, we can we can definitely talk about two distant strangers because yes, uh, there okay. there there are definitely some things that I love, uh, but there are but I'm being a shorts lover myself. Like uh, there are totally things that are like kind of t- threw me off with all the shorts this year. Ooh, so. ooh, ooh, I'm excited. Okay, so before we dive into all of these movies, these are some great predictions uh, for me. I've basically have just seen Sound of Metal. I've seen a few of the other movies, Two Distant Strangers, a few of the other ones, but like uh, for me, Sound of Metal, I found the most innovative, like with the soundscapes, um, incredible performances. Uh, it's it just had a lasting effect on me. Um, but before we dive into all of that, and um, you've given us uh, some some really awesome overview. Um, you are a publicist. So for those at home listening, you're a publicist, you do social media, you've worked at all the major film festivals. This is why you are um, a film expert, my film expert for the day, for the for this Oscars episode. Your love of the movie uh, genre is deep. Uh, is that a uh, is that a thing? Is that is that uh, did I, I say that right? I um, assume... But can you tell us more about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I'm Mishu. Uh, I have worked as in public relations and PR for like the last like ten years or so um, mm-hmm. with film festivals and uh, with other clients. Uh, but my my other big passion is writing and programming. And so yes. uh, when I when You're I found I when I when I found my partner, I would tell people I'm like, oh, I can't fall in love anymore because I found someone that I fell in love with. So I just fall in love with movies now, and I just fall like I I find Aww. a movie and I fall in love with that, and I'm like its biggest fan for 
you know, for life. I'm a lifer with the movies I, I fall in love with and I'll tell people about them or TV shows too, or yeah, shorts or pieces or like artworks. I'm like, but have you seen this? Do you love this? And uh, I, I, I think you can always find, I, I mean, maybe that is like a theme for tonight, uh, today, mm -hmm. but like, uh, I feel like you can always find love in different places and that it just doesn't have to be romantic love, but just like different types of, of like Ooh. appropriate files. Yeah. There's always room for love. Maybe that's the, the connecting theme between, uh, Before Sunset and Sound of Metal. Or that both of them are have like location shots in France. Like I, I think okay. that's also so yeah. also I, I thought about that after the fact, but I was like, that is nothing. I'm like, Miju, that's like it's like, well, you can say that about many films. So like what's their I, real tie-in? But Yeah. I, like I just realized that I just thought of that. I was like, Oh yeah. They they were all in Paris at one point. Yeah. At one, at one point. But um yeah, so that's I think that's a little bit about me. Did I miss anything else? really important i also like like cooking yeah, that's cooking, not true write i like sketches you write comedy sketches i do write comedy sketches I, i've written some some pretty fun comedy sketches but um i like i actually i said that wrong i don't like cooking i like baking my uh, nice. partner corrected me on that he's like you can't cook you can bake but you can't cook so you can make uh, awesome cookies but maybe not lasagna no but maybe not lasagna that's exactly okay. the case all right so. i prefer the cookies Thanks, Colette. That makes yeah, you feel like, really special. Yeah. I mean, if you can make a good batch of cookies, I mean, you're a hit at a party, at an office function um, with uh, kids on the playground, like you're always a hit. No one's, um, you know, putting, uh, no one has a plate and fork for lasagna at the playground. That's like, true. No one has a, yeah. Like, yeah. I never thought of it that way. They're yeah, easy on the or, go. You can put them on top, yeah, put them in Tupperware. So, right. Yeah. It's not, it's not like sloppy, um, you know, tomato sauce. Good. Okay. This is awesome. So you're a baker too. Okay. So Are you a baker again, too? Or no. Okay. I just meant like in addition to all of in your addition, attributes. I dabble in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to stay away from baking. I like baking. I tend to eat everything that I bake. So to, um, to just uh like christmas time always making cookies but uh i try to uh i i have like a season finale of baking cookies um towards like uh the new year holiday uh, just because it's a slippery slope and it becomes like you know fetal position in a corner like oh i gotta make another batch i gotta i gotta because i've eaten it all um, wow so, yeah so maybe i'm a little bit like some artists I know, but I don't like, I don't always enjoy, depending on the batch, I'll like eat some of it or I, or I won't in, like, I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't eat that batch of cookies or I'll make it, but I won't eat it. You know, uh, it for the neighbors. Yes. I don't, I don't look at my art and things like yes. people like that. <laughs> so, um, I, I have, please, I'm, I'm, please take it away. Yes, yes, yes. Oatmeal raisin, get it out of my sight. Oatmeal raisin is one of the few that I, I will eat nonstop. I don't know why. I Ooh, think I, I think excellent. it's because it's secretly healthy. That's what I tell myself. Yeah, right. Yes. D yeah, delusion. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, again, I have not seen any of the nominations, like The Father. I'd love to see that. Um, just 
out of curiosity, my, my dad had Alzheimer's, so I'm curious. Mank have not seen um, People versus Billie Holiday or that Aaron Sorkin courtroom drama with Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, also, sadly, and you might have a hot take on this, um, I have not seen Minari, which uh, costs still about $20 online. So I, I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I'm very embarrassed to say this, but not uh, that like as a Asian American female, Minari was not the, uh, the film or the choice that I was like, gung ho about when when nominations Ooh. come out. Yeah, it's not there. I still am very, very not not to say that you have to think compare apples to oranges. But in terms of uh films created by like Asian Americans like I'm still a very big fan of The Farewell and I I think they did not I don't think Lulu Wang got the accolades the all the accolades that she deserved last year like she she deserved more accolades uh so yeah like I said for life I will I will always be like a a fan and advocate of The Farewell and the story it did uh Minari a lot like uh Nomadland is a film that deals with a community of people that are are fascinating um, and interesting, but it's it's not the community of people that I usually uh, draw to in stories. Uh, with Minari, it's farmers and the and 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 this this family who sets up to do uh, to create the American dream. And I think mm-hmm. that every character, every act. Uh, the acting is done impeccably well in Minari. There's mm-hmm. nothing I can say wrong about the acting. Um, it's just not my movie of like people wanting it. It's like we bought a zoo, but it's, we, we bought some land and are planning on farming Mm. it, but much better than we bought a zoo. Just like, that's the idea of like Minari for me is like, I, that's just not my dream. And so uh, when I, there, there's certain movies that are set in certain places that sometimes uh, don't roll for me. Uh, Nomadland kind of, kind of similar of like, uh, I think this film is a, although also a great film uh Mm -hmm. uh directed and shot quite beautifully uh gorgeous yeah it's gorgeous it's a gorgeous film uh just for it's not my thing and so uh and 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 always I say like not to say that this is a bad film or anything but uh I think um Nomadland would have served uh better as a documentary than as a narrative feature yeah a lot of the characters play like fictional versions of themselves essentially so that aren't I feel like my cat Stella agrees oh yay did what did did you see she's meowing fiercely did you see it Colette I did see it uh I thought it was gorgeous uh there was a um I don't know if you know John Sayles and no one's no one mentions that maybe maybe because uh I I'm like a not the most uh film uh expert to, uh, but anyway, it reminds me of John Sayles. A lot of the, uh, a lot of her choices, very natural. Um, you know, because you were going to talk a little bit about like cinema verite. Um, it's it's uh, shot. It's shot in a documentary sort of style, even though it is a narrative. Mm-hmm. There, there is a sense of 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 this character of Frances McDormand totally immersing herself in this this culture, and 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 something you know amazing about Frances McDormand is is her ability to absorb a character, just become it totally, um, without any sort of judgment or irony. Um, she is just this person 
I she plays, she did a, a great job. She plays the every woman very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. She, yeah, she, I, I still think that we, again, give accolades to men so much more than we do to women. And Frances McDermott mm-hmm. really, as you said, yeah, uh, is fully immersed in any, any role she's in. I, I'm sure you read this, that she like, she spent some time just like, uh, you know, sleeping in a camper, sleeping in her car. And I was like, yeah. I was like, there you go, like doing it. Like I, I'm, I'm very much, in, yes, I'm very much in support of this. But it was, um, and it is. It's a gorgeous. It's a gorgeous movie. And I think I, I left. You know, it's not bad to leave wanting more, but I left mm-hmm. wanting like another, like more, and but also wanted like more dialogue. Um, I know it, it's funny because uh, I know we're going to be talking about Sound of Metal, which is a film that doesn't have an immense amount of dialogue and then we have a film that has so much freaking dialogue which is kind of what I'm in love with about uh before sunset so yeah it's just finding that right that right balance right but just to um again just to go back uh with uh uh Nomadland and with uh the other movie Minari Mm -hmm. are these uh, snore fests or are the are they like like Aretha Franklin when when she was asked to describe Taylor um what's her game what's her face Taylor Swift and all she could say is beautiful gowns beautiful gowns but like she didn't <laughs> want to say anything mean about it but she about her but she just didn't want to say some anything like totally nice there, and loving about there her are, there are tons of films that like uh would deserve that kind of if you don't have something nice to say these aren't mm-hmm. these aren't those ones like I, I'm I'm vocal that Minari isn't my favorite film and that like I, I and the irony of it not being my favorite film like I, I like to say that but it's and that I, yeah. I was like oh that was nice but I it's definitely I don't know if are they a snore fast is there hmm, I love, like I said, the acting is the strongest thing in Minari. (laughs) And and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the acting. The acting is great. Um, Also, I I feel, uh, I don't know if anyone ended up writing like uh, a Mary Sue piece about this or not, but Mm -hmm. there's a daughter in this film too. There's like, like Minari has a six person cast. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, a, a, a cute little boy, a cute little boy who is who we see this story through uh, mm-hmm. his parents, his sister and his grandmother that comes into his life. And I believe one of the neighbors, those sort of like the six real characters with dialogue in this film, for the most part, uh, right. the, the sister, the sister who is a, a great character. Uh, I feel my heart aches for this woman because or this girl, because she like is trying to keep this family together there without mm-hmm. giving away anything. Things happen. Uh, things happen on the farm thing. Things happen in the family and she is unable to do uh, to, she's able to hold it together for everyone when everyone else is unable to hold it together. She's able to like put everything together, get the family in order and uh, is able to do that when uh everything else is going chaotically and nobody like says, wow, good job. Or 
you know, you're my favorite or you're, you're just so awesome for taking care of your brother. And I'm like, I don't have, uh, uh, I don't, I don't have like an older sibling or anything like that, but like, I feel, I feel like this sister got, she deserves more credit is what I'm trying to say. Oh, uh, but that's how, that's how family dynamics can be sometimes. Yeah. I, I know, I know the feeling of that daughter just right off the bat from your explanation. Yeah. It's uh, it's very much like a story, like just watch it. It's told through the son's perspective, but watch it from like the daughter's perspective and be like, damn, this girl gets no respect. Like she's uh, literally doing every, like this, and, and this poor actor, I feel like had like five lines, but she really whole you know, they do feel like a family. Uh, I will, I will say that, uh, sometimes people are miscast. This wasn't one of those cases, but, uh, that's my, that's the meanest thing I can say is like, I love the actor. I've heard great things also about the mom and that she also did a lot of the heavy lifting in her, um, uh, just like remaining steadfast and, uh, uh, helping the family through, through, uh, what they're trying to, to get through. Uh, I've, I've heard great things about her too. I am going to pull the trigger eventually and I am going to see this movie. I, I do really want to see it. I, I feel like I have a screener somewhere. I don't know. Um, oh. But yeah, so we can, we'll talk and we're about we're vaccinated. Yeah, and we are. Uh, <laughs> we could do a drop. We could do an exchange. Have you, did you get to see Ma Rainey's? Because that was also up this year. Yes, I saw that. That was good. I enjoy that that a lot. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, amazing. Uh, I I guess I thought it was going to be longer, and so I was um, sort of taken aback the way it ended. Really? Yeah. Ah. So I thought I thought there was going to be more to it. I'm like, oh my god, that's it. Did we talk about this? That were you wow. were you familiar that it was like based on a play and and every like oh, yeah, that, yeah, that it's an August Wilson play and oh uh, because like I don't know. I, there's only so much longer characters can stay in a recording studio before you start wanting to have like an ice cold glass of Coke and like, you know, start fanning yourself down. So I, I feel like I, I didn't think it was I didn't feel like it was that short, but I, I, I was a huge I was a huge fan of Ma Rainey's. It was like one day, it was like maybe my second or third favorite film last year. And so oh, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And yes, they, they did. They captured that moment perfectly i thought great direction great acting mm-hmm. um love amazing. chadwick Bose, uh chadwick yeah. Boseman, but also uh coleman domingo love um, coleman love domingo often um i'm i'm saying one two you know what to do i did <laughs> that for a month one. i yes. did that for a month it was <laughs> i thought i was so cool I was, it was so embarrassing how many times I would do that. And I was like, I'm not cool. Like, I feel like I'm the only one that's getting this dad reference. And I, and I did. And I, uh, yeah. I was doing it too. With oh, you. Yay. You know it. Here we- <laughs> Meanwhile. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Later okay, on the other side of the hill. Yes. On the other side of Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Um, so going back to uh, to Oscars, so we're we're talking before the event. Uh, do you have any sort of like pre-Oscar ritual and post-Oscar ritual? Uh, I know that the ArcLight possibly will never open again. Maybe it will. Maybe Warner Brothers will buy it. But uh, did your pre-Oscar ritual have anything to do with the ArcLight too? R.I.P. R.I.P. ArcLight. Um, 
No, I love I I love the arc light so much, and it's I feel like it's a lot of people are are sensing that they'll they'll get someone will acquire all of these beautiful spaces. Somebody got money in the city. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of people here who have money, and the Cinerama will never not be around because I believe it's a national like it's a it like historically it has to stay there, and it they can't like just take it down. But um, I didn't. You know, this is weird over the years. So. Uh, there were a couple clients when uh, that I worked with when I first came out here uh, that were related to the Oscars, and one of them was the envelopes and stuff. So I would always be like, be busy working, and then um, my I've gone to like Oscar parties here and there, but the truth is, is there there's like a little bit of anxiety that I like watching it home by myself like I, I that I don't dislike Oscar parties but I, I I like everyone to be like you know I like I like seeing if I my predictions are right or wrong like I, I like yeah. uh or sometimes I just there there are times where I really shut myself off and just like not watch it at all and just look like depending on how the year has been if I, I just want to like look at like the winnings post show and like everyone else is already going to write write a review and a highlights reel so oh oh, there is one there is one okay so embarrassing I do do this uh every year for in memoriam uh I take a shot for anyone that you thought had already died like years previously I'm not kidding it is more like it is the only like kind of let like levity that you can have in in memoriam like there is nothing else i can think of to make the situation feel a little bit happier there are red buttons or like who like who i'm just naming somebody off the top of my head you know god caesar no i think i i'm trying to think of some ones that like really i i was shocked that hadn't died sooner i don't know if it was like peter sellers or there were some that I was like, I could have sworn they died like many, many years prior. And I was shocked. Yeah. Maybe Walter Matthau. That's really embarrassing. Um, when Walter, oh. Walter Matthau passed away, I was like, oh, I thought it was a few years earlier. Um, I think I'm trying to think of good ones over the years, but it is a category in my mm-hmm. mind. And it's, you know, in memoriam, it, it's not like you have many. You'll have like two, maybe. Where you're, so that's why it's a shot. Like you'll have two maybe where you're like, oh, did thought he already died, thought she already died, and then you, yeah. And it's. it's I remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I, just, I remember uh, watching with a friend once at an Oscar party, and uh, in memoriam came came out, and uh, you know the steady stream of people who passed away and whatever, and then and then he said, "Who do you think's gonna win?" <laughs> <laughs> that's the best joke that's the best yeah. joke I, I really and i did sort of think about it it's like i don't know unfortunately someone does win in memoriam yeah. and unfortunately I think they all won yeah and unfortunately it, it, it is like a, a tragic thing but it is true that a lot of people who watch the oscars there are some people that are very lucky that they lived a long life and that mm-hmm. they pass away later in their life and uh there, that's like at least 30 or 40 percent of the people who are in memoriam that are just people who were either academy winners or part of ampus part of the academy 
and uh, yeah. they've just been retired for 20 or 30 years. And those people, yeah, this, this year, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. This year might be really sad with Rona. This year will be really yeah. sad. Yeah. This year will be very sad. I mean, there's uh, Rona. Yeah. Like you said, there's uh, Chadwick Boseman. It's, you know, yeah. uh, everything that his widow has had to accept on his behalf has been quite tragic Ugh, to watch constantly so, yeah so i i have no and, doubt in my mind that it's going to be very sad but right and this year i think it's going to be uh it, it there's it's going to be an in person telecast no masks uh, uh i believe i think steven sodenberg is directing the oscars this year and yes that's not a lies in videotape yeah uh i i don't think that's like a joke or anything and i and i think he's like i think he said on record he's like we're using the masks but in an artistic way so i know this is also really weird because like you've just said that like this is like also like airing after the oscars so i also like we don't have to like we like we can talk about the fun stuff instead of like the who wore what you know we can talk about the things we like but yeah yeah steven sodenberg's directing it i don't know what wow. i bet everyone's gonna come out in hazmat suits that's gonna be awesome like that's what i would do i think but it's with all- a bow like our sparklies yeah oh sparkly hazmat beautiful suit. beautiful sparkly hazmat suits there's no nice. other way there's nice. no other way yeah nice okay so let's let's get into our our deep dive um we're gonna talk about before sunset and sound of metal these might not be your absolute favorite movies, Niju, but what do you love about them? Oh, well, first with Before Sunset, um, mm-hmm. I think this is something you and I both have in common. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's I, I remember when I discovered Before Sunset, I had seen it um, before I had seen Before Sunrise. And yeah. I was like, this is a beautiful, like, this is a beautiful standalone film in and of itself. And then I realized, oh, it's a sequel. Oh, and then later on, oh, it's going to be a trilogy. Um, there's something about, uh, I love, I love character driven films. And mm-hmm. there's something about these characters that, that these two, this guy and this girl that you sort of fall in love with uh, very quickly and very mm-hmm. easily and um just that whole sitting around or walking around and watching the world go by as you're having like a three hour long conversation it's people that you love in your life that you have that with that you wish you could encapsulate that in film or like hold those memories forever and I think when I was had seen before sunset um I was at a crossroads in my life and so uh I felt like it was really reflective on that and you know it, it people sometimes like to really see themselves in, in the films that they love. And uh, mm-hmm. that's how I felt with Before Sunset when I discovered it. It was at a point where I was, uh, I think I was like in high school and was, you know, trying to figure out where I wanted to go to school for college and what I wanted to do in my life in the future. Like I was uh, one of those, I was one of those girls who, was like, oh, I should know what I want for like my last, my next 15 years. And I'm only 16 or something like that. And I was like, oh, why, why, what am I doing wrong? But I don't know this already. Um, and they're clearly, you know, I, I believe the characters are supposed to be 
like in their thirties when, um, before sunset occurs and they're also right. at that kind of like crossroad. It's like, do I feel, am I making the right choices? Do I feel fulfilled? Uh, all that insecurity and hesitation, I think is like really beautiful and important. And also like done so realistically that you feel like it, that these aren't characters, that these are actual people, even though that's not, you know, these are characters. So yeah, uh, yeah. It, it all feels very real. Yeah, I actually fell in love with this film so much that I serendipitously took a um, writing class at UCLA Extension that was done by Kim Kreisen, who helped with the story and screenplay for uh, Before Sunrise. And oh, wow. she she's also credited um, as part of the story for Before Sunset. And uh, it was a class called Finding Your Muse. And mm -hmm. it's still like one of my favorite classes. I don't think they still teach it at UCLA Extension. I'm not sure, but it's uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful class. And uh, it also, that class came to me serendipitously, like, you know, 10 years after I had seen the movie at like a crossroads in my life. And so it was kind oh, of- Oh, wow. Yeah. Full circle moment. Girl, this movie like has so many feels for me. Like I I don't, it, so when you are like, I don't know if it's your favorite film, uh, it like still is kind of like, uh, it's like an awkward favorite. Like I have so much love for this film and this story. It's ridiculous. And, and it's so weird because even, you know, movies that, you watch and you know where it's going to end up and you still will watch it again. I will sit down and watch Before Sunset more than once. I like, it's just talking, you know, it's just people walking and talking and yet I still would sit down and watch it again. I don't, it's not one of those movies that I have memorized or anything because it just, it, in spite of it being scripted, it is, it feels so off the cuff, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. It feels, yeah. It feels improvisational. It, so realistic and natural and raw uh it's it's uh it feels like cinema verite which is uh again like um like sound of metal connection dun, dun, dun. we're gonna we're gonna have a whole cork board with like <laughs> string going in between yes, the two like films. fbi agents yeah. like tell me his name doctor like a uh, cleary starling well um, and you you seem to enjoy before sunset as well, Colette. I do. Thank you very much for uh, passing it to me. Yes, I, I I do really enjoy that movie. I have not seen it in a really long time, uh, and what's what I I do find interesting about it is uh, well, one one is that uh, yes, we both were um, like Fievel. American Tale, Underneath the Same Big Sky. We were somehow watching this movie at the same time. Underneath the Same, same big, big Sky. Somewhere <laughs> out there. Yes. Best so immigration we, story ever. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Good Good for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, yeah. All right. Go Fievel. Anyway, so so – Yes, so we were watching this for the same time, uh, you know, at the same time for the for the first time. This this movie, uh, I loved um, it that it. I guess for me and the influence that it had on me was all the talking because it did feel very unstructured, mm -hmm. and they were talking about random things that uh, just sort of showed off their smarts, I guess. And I find myself when I write 
comedies, when I think about, I, I tend to have a lot of details in the stuff that I write. And I feel like, um, I don't know, maybe they like inadvertently influenced me because I feel like uh, they had so much talking. So then therefore I've had so much talking, but it actually turns out um, through a YouTube video that I, I, I learned it on YouTube that Before Sunset actually does have a structure. Uh, and if you go to Lessons from the Screenplay, someone named Michael breaks it down. And the way he breaks it down, it, it, it does have a three-act structure. But, like, for me, watching it, and it feels so effortless, it just, like, they run into each other in the at the bookstore signing. Then they're walking through the streets of Paris, super romantic. Then uh, it starts to get to be more intense where um, uh, Jesse, the Ethan Hawke, um, Ethan Hawke's character is uh, saying to Julie Delpy, and I'll, I'll get to uh, how I interviewed. I interviewed Julie Delpy years ago too. Um, oh, but anyway, wow. but anyway, uh, it um, they it gets to be more intense where where they're starting to 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 let their guard down a little bit and say, hey. Uh, what about us? Like what happened? We were supposed to be together. Nine years have passed. Oh my God, we're in our thirties. Oh my goodness. And so, um, these are the, the device, uh, that I learned is that, um, it's, it's structured as a variation on the question of how will this turn out? So, uh, it's, it's the devices, um, it's defined as the hunger for for the answer to the major dramatic question that grips the audience interest, holding it to the last act's climate climax. So, um, you know, we're we're constantly being confronted with this question, which is also going back to the other movie that we're going to talk about. Um, and you know, each act ends. Uh, throughout the inciting incident, the rising action, the climax, the denouement, we're constantly asking ourselves, are they going to be together? Um, they're, uh, Ethan Hawke obviously does not want to get on this plane. And she keeps telling him, you're going to be late. You need to go to the airport. And he's like, oh, no, I have two hours. And then he's like, oh, I have an hour. Oh, uh, I don't even have a suitcase. It'll take 15 minutes. So like constantly he was making excuses, wanted to stay with her um, and just couldn't just all out say, I'm, I want to be with you. But then at the end of the movie, finally, she and this it ends open ended, but she does say, I think you're going to miss your plane, like very playfully, mm -hmm. which still means like she's still trying to remind him like, hey, man, you need to go to the airport. And then he's just sitting on her couch, like all spread out, like man, man spreading on her couch. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I think I will. Uh, and he's married with a kid. Yeah, it's there is as a, as a Virgo there was so much anxiety in this film for me every time, because this is also a post 9-11 film. Yeah. So, so uh, when you talk about people going to the airport on an international flight, which that's hours, yeah, that's hours. I'm like, no, 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 you need two and a half hours minimum. Uh, and, and it is, there's, there's these moments in the film Uh, and I bring up that it's post 9-11 because the first film is not post 9-11. The first film is pre 9-11 and it's a oh, train. Yeah. And so it's completely, completely different stakes in my opinion and circumstance. But this, this plane, like I'm like transportation, transportation does play this 
unique role of when I'm, when I watch the film, it's like, uh, I feel like it's like the stakes are raised in a very relatable way of like, we all, I don't know who doesn't dream about missing their flight at the airport. I don't know who doesn't like go someplace. Maybe you're going back home to see your family or you're, you're, you're planning your big getaway and leading up to your travel plans, you dream about missing your yes. flight. I dream, <laughs> I dream about it constantly. The and nightmare. The nightmare. Yeah. I say it's a dream, but it, yeah, it's a horror film. It's a nightmare. And yes. it always happens. I have to live in the airport. So this whole, uh, uh, device in that film of like bringing up the airport repeatedly and the flight repeatedly there is so much like neurotic tension for me about it yeah it's like I was like why isn't he why isn't he going and also I was like a teenager so I was like I don't like he has a fam. why isn't he going he's gonna it get in matter. trouble yeah like he's gonna get in trouble they're not gonna let him like he's gonna go on the plane he's gonna go on the at the airport and they're the the movie's gonna end with him not being able to get on the flight because he was 15 minutes later than he should have been there <laughs> yes. because that's what happens in my scenario and i literally that was my anxiety watching this film yes and as i said yeah. like, you we know you know watching it like or i'm sorry you know like now like after you've seen it the first time it's like he doesn't get on the plane it is left open-ended and it's left open-ended in an extremely like beautiful romantic way but uh because again when I saw the second one I didn't think there was going to be a third one I was like oh th- it's a it's so it's a great standalone it feels right. like real time the whole time that in- and but my anxiety whoa and it's watching it again I I, I think I can exhale a little bit more but I don't know <laughs> if you do this with horror films like and horror films or films with violence I'm uh, and I love horror films, but jump scares. Uh, yes. I know a jump scare is about to happen either because I've seen the film or there is what normally happens, which is a sense in the music that kind of Ooh, that happens. Gives you a, a clue. That gives you a clue that a jump scare is happening or what actually happens is there's tension in the music and then it stops. And that's when the jump scare happens. Then I'm like, I like put my head down or I close my ears or things like that. So I, and and even if I've seen the film like multiple times, I will like the orphanage, for example, I will still look away at the jump scare or when I was a child and I would watch the Lion King, I would go to the bathroom when Mufasa died. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm like, I don't need to relive this. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, Oh, did that scene happen? Yeah. That is my, that is like, the Miju form of censorship. I'm like, I'm already aware that there is a, there is a, you know, that Mufasa has to take one for the team. I am going to exit and go to the bathroom. Oh, uh, Bambi is on. Oh, there's a hundred. I'm going to exit because I, <laughs> I know, know what's going to happen here. Because I've already watched. It's it's when I rewatch things. So like when I rewatch Before Sunset, yeah, uh, I am very aware that the question of uh, you know, you're, you know, what time is your flight and everything is going to be broached again. And I still, I'm like, oh, I know he's going to miss it, but I'm still a little anxious. Like why, why is he doing this to the people like me out there who are like so uh, compulsive about like, it's like, we got to get there on time and we're super, we got to get there on time and we can't, 
I, I have almost missed a flight. So, and I've flown standby places before. It, there's a lot of anxiety about it. I don't know how as many people do it as they do because uh, that whimsicalness, that's not whimsicalness. That's just disorganized. Like that's just being late. And yeah, being, I'm, yeah. And being a jerk because he probably, his wife uh, that he's planning to leave was probably planning to pick him up or was probably driving over to the airport to go get him. You know, and it makes you wonder, it's like, well, did he have like an international cell phone plan or is he going to have to pay a lot at the payphone? Ladies and gentlemen, payphones are, and <laughs> pay yeah, phones, collect, something you might not know before. Yeah, and, and do a collect call to like remind her that he's not going to show, show up. Like this is, this is like a lot of the interesting things I did, you know, think of when I, when I saw that film of like, you know, all, there are so many steps that are, that take place or you can live your life like like him and kind of like roll the dice and find out like one of the things that was kind of uh interesting to me that I read years ago of how uh his character um Ethan Hawke's character is a romantic who disguises himself as a cynic at least in the first film but I think also in the second film in a way and um it it's mesmerizing to kind of watch these people who seem very honest but you can tell are like extremely layered and you're just you keep peeling away to see what what really is in their mind because honestly I don't think they get into the raw depths of their conversations until some of the things that happen in the taxi ride at the end that's really you know the I think the stuff that happened in her apartment uh end up being like reconciliation but that taxi ride is very there's so much drama in that taxi ride and and like right. uh it, it it's it's quite it's quite interesting because that's also something that's really raw is that yeah I've fought in the car with friends and family like all the time like that is that is a and and not a lot of people highlight that a car is like a great place to have to have like a really big fight with someone but like or like that that whole thing that happens in cars when you have fights, like a taxi, like someone's like, no, 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 stop the car. I want to get out. I want to get out. And someone's also like, no, 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 no. I don't speak the language, but don't stop the car. Please go. Like, he's just being like, it's like the, the arguments are just, it, it's so interesting. Heightened. It's so heightened. It's so heightened. And it's not like anyone is in danger or anything. That's not the, you know, like if people are telling you to stop the car in like a kidnap movie, like that's, it's one thing, but this is like, this is a romantic drama. So it's, it's heightened in a way that like, you know, they're, they're, they don't really want to face their emotions. They don't really want to face the truth about, I mean, they lie to each other multiple times in that movie. Uh, They're um, what I, what I was going to say is that uh, the way it's structured is that the beginning, they're both hiding behind facades uh, which uh, in a lot of ways, Sound of Metal too, um, is that they are, it's either it's either to protect themselves or I guess, I guess, I guess it is. It, it's um, to, for in, in, in both movies, but in Before Sunset, they're, they're protecting themselves. They're protecting their hearts um, because they've both um, have had difficulties in, with romance and then they, they've had this long separation. Mm-hmm. And so, after hours of hanging out and just talking yes you're 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 right like the layers start to peel back until finally 
you know, towards the the end of the second act, Julie Delpy is laying into him and telling her, tell, saying everything. I, I hate that you had me in your book. Like I was a, a feature in your book. I hate that I'm single and I, I don't know how to connect with people because of, you know, our stupid romance nine years ago. So it, it yeah, it all starts to, to come, to come out. Yeah. Uh, all the, all the performances, going back to what you were saying regarding Sound of Metal and, and the connections, I think you you hit the nail on the head early on about what the connection is between the two films. And like with Sound of Metal, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful story uh, that's extremely also realistic and very empathetic. There are, these characters also have various language barriers too that yes. everybody... Uh, overcomes like there are there 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 are some barriers also I think in uh, before sunset but uh, the two things that I love with this couple in mm-hmm. uh, Sound of Metal uh, is there is no way to deny that I think Olivia Wilde's character uh, is like very Olivia much Cook. I'm sorry Olivia Cook fuck me sorry Olivia Cook's character <laughs> is in a hundred percent extremely like devoted uh, to Riz Ahmed's like she wants what's best for him. And I think uh, being in beautiful relationships that I've had that have also had beautiful breakups, like it is, it is just as powerful to like let go of someone as it is to stay with someone. And um, they both do some letting go in that film. And um, it, it's funny because in, I felt like in Before Sunset, you don't think they're going to, it's going to end the way. It did. Like, you think he's, honestly, when I saw the film, I'm like, she's going to say goodbye. and They're going to make amends and he's going to get on the plane. No, that's not what happens. And then with Sound of Metal, you really, you know, is a film where you're like, you know, he's going to, he's going to befriend and be great with everybody um, at uh, his like uh, deaf halfway house. And simultaneously is going to like uh get it you know get his bandmate his like girlfriend his like life partner back and everything's gonna go well not the case at all right uh, he, had, he had to let go of something mm-hmm. that was uh that he was not ex- expecting to um so like let's let's um dive into sound of metal so you know in some ways um this it also follows the how will this turn out um and then it's also you know how will this turn out when someone is resistant to change so Riz Ahmed's character um uh Ruben uh is somebody who is um he's uh, as as Riz Ahmed said at the Independent Spirit Awards um he just won uh he summed up the the movie as being about a health how a health crisis can throw your life off track which i think perfectly describes it so um it, it throws him off track and he all he wants to do is just get back on track like that's his goal he can't let go of i'm in this relationship this is what's working for me i'm making my health shakes in the morning she drinks them i drink them this is this is the life and he just wants to keep it, keep, you know, keep, keep going, you know, what, what they had going. So, you know, the movie starts with the band, they rip, they're awesome. Um, it's, I, I thought that was the, I, I'd never seen, um, like La La Land, for instance, like those were the worst co- uh, concert 
performances. Oh God, you and me both. Ever horrible. Um, Yeah, I like I. That was a terrible concert movie. This was like amazing concert movie. Uh, Whoever the the director um, Darius Martyr, like great job. Um, Like it just it took me back to like you know seeing shows uh, like a. Um, I, when I saw Franz Ferdinand and North North Six in Brooklyn, or um, I with my husband, we saw his friend Kamasi at the World Stage in Lamert Park, Kamasi, Washington. So like, I, those are like cool shows that I saw. So like, were, was there ever an, like an insane show that you saw? I saw Radiohead at Lollapalooza. Oh, wow, that's awesome! Yeah, it was fucking amazing. Um, I also I love Man Man. Uh, there, they, Man Man always puts on a great show. I saw a Man Man show in Chicago. I've seen them, I think two or three. I've seen them once at, I think it's called like the Greek cultural center or the Russian cultural center in Los Angeles. It was like a venue. Oh, I, I Griffith Park? The Greek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh. no, not the Greek theater. No, no, no. It's like literally like this place called a cultural center. And yes, it is a cult, like, it's I love a good SR I love a good standing room show. Like I don't yeah. I don't like arenas and I don't like uh I love a good standing Me room too. show. And Me too. It's just uh I I don't know what this place is called, but it's on the east side and it's literally uh I, I, I think I've said seen one or maybe two shows there. It's a cultural center and they probably sold like PBR or something like that's that was like the crowd it was like they sell one dollar PBR and and, uh and they pull uh a great show together with colors and beautifulness and fun hype uh I also am a big loser for girl talk uh because girl talk is girl talk is like one of the best dance parties ever so although Um, although it's it's not the same kind of the oh but to answer all of this about your question uh one time I was in Chicago, it was for Man Man, and the opening act was this industrial band called Prometheus Burning. And Ooh. it had they had a their front woman, what pale white face makeup kind of woman, and uh-huh. you know, pale blonde hair, whatever. And she had this yellow, beautiful yellow dress on. And then she like gets a bucket of blood and like pours it all over That's her scary. dress. Yeah, it was like a perfectly uh, choreographed industrial show and I loved it and that honestly when I saw that I was like yeah that, that was my nostalgia for when seeing Sound of Metal I don't know why but it, that's what I associated when I when I that's when awesome because that. you do you're like I love I love a good I love a good music film and I kind mm-hmm. of wanted to be like with Sound of Metal I was like oh, I, I would have loved to see these kids on the road more like I would have watched yeah. the whole story of right of, of like Ruben and his band on the road and him trying to deal with his, um, with his loss of hearing, but that's not what the film is about. You know, exactly. the, film is, the film is about, yeah. Uh, and I health emergent, you know, a, a change in, uh, a change in health and a change, um, in oneself that is much more drastic than someone realized. I mean, it, it, there is a sense of obviously like denial and grief, that goes through Ruben's character in this film and him trying to get back to, to something that was instead of like accepting what's happening to him. And, and that's yes. a, there, the lie 
the lie that really gets to me is that scene with him and Paul uh, Racy, Paul Rossi, who yeah. also I, I say Racy, amazing performance, amazing performance. This actor, uh, he's a he's a child of death parents, Coda. He's a Coda. Um, mm-hmm. Big fan of of him in this film, but also what I found out is he also does a like he's in a death cover band here in Los Angeles. Oh, nice! You have to look. Death I have to investigate rock cover band. I should. Wow. I don't want to say what I think the name is because I don't want to be wrong. So I'm just gonna like look it up and sidebar it with you later. But that was like one of the things that I was so excited to hear, and I was like, "Yes, I'm going oh, to amazing. his concerts. Yes, I'm going to go see his shows after this." Yeah, it just sounds amazing. Um, and he and he pulled like they all the but that scene with them at the table after he gets the cochlear implant, where it's like uh. you know it. It's the equivalency to them is like using the money to buy drugs or using yes. the money to buy to buy alcohol. Like he sold all of his equipment just to get yeah. the cochlear implants. Or like that. That's like yeah. It's that that whole scene when you. It's such a beautiful scene because I I have like friends and people I know who who are addicts and and that level of like lying and denial it it's so heartbreaking like it's so heartbreaking when someone you care about and you love like lies to your face about something that they don't think affects you but it's like no it affects me like a hundred percent you lying about it should show you that it affects me a hundred like it like tears me up even like thinking about those relationships because they're so it it uh it's really hard to to make amends with that and then you you, I think you go from that scene um and him going out you know doing what it kind of reminds me of I don't know if you've seen Francis Ha which also has kind of that same sort of cinema verte vibe from like here and there but um Mm -hmm. Greta Gerwig yeah Greta Gerwig does Mm -hmm. another like putting all these films connected together and coming of age of what the fuck are you doing and there's like uh but in Frances Ha, she just fucking like charges to her credit card and whimsically decides to like go to France for like a couple days. Like it's like the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's like the worst decision. What's up with these people? I'm just gonna run to Paris. Well, and and they address it really. There are no well answers in Paris. They address it really well in Frances Ha because I think she's like at a dinner party where everybody else seems like more posh and better than she is and is. And, and and there's this level of insecurity that she's masking and someone at the party is like oh you know you can always like come up to my place in France some, in Paris sometime and she's like yeah I'll do that like maybe next week or something and she's like yeah uh okay next, Uh-oh. next week like so and she just fucking like try and it's and and yeah it's it, it it's nothing of like a romantic sort like the, yeah that's the whole that's the whole joke of it is that right. you you fucking did something on a whim to prove something to yourself that there was or to prove something to other people that there was no point in proving and there is kind of this thing with Ruben where he so he goes to France mm-hmm. um he goes to France I'm pretty sure uninvited to to meet up with uh with his his you know girlfriend Right, which is why I question her devotion to him. I feel like she mourned the relationship and let it go. 
but was that I don't think that was the wrong thing Spoiler to do alert. yeah but I don't yeah. think you know they're I I think they 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 told like because when they first come into the house when they first come mm-hmm. into the halfway house they say to him you know she can't be there with you and he's like no and and I think that's something again with with people who are going through addiction and stuff like that like they want any kind of thing that they identify as the rock and I think with rehab facilities and stuff they're trying to tell you like oh you are you don't need someone else to fucking help you stand on two feet you gotta stand on two feet on your own through this mm-hmm. um because I believe you know it, it's interesting because the um you know they don't ex- I forget if they explicitly say or maybe they do or not like what his addictions were previously but it's it makes sense that when you're going through a big change in your life that you would fall back onto your addictions. And so, uh, and that, and that you could potentially jeopardize the people around you. Um, yeah, I think, I think it was heroin. It was heroin. Yeah. 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 And so, um, she, yeah. Cause they met together from yeah being in rehab. Yeah. That, that was an incredible moment with Paul Racy. I thought when the, when he was doing the initial intake interview and asking about their relationship and it was, it's so amazing just uh, in, in terms of like dialogue. Uh, it was just, it was so simple. Just, oh, how long have you been together? Four years. How long have you been sober? Four years. So it's like you just get it immediately that they probably met in, in rehab and that they're keeping each other sober. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing too. I don't know. I... It's not an, it's not an abnormal thing mm-hmm. that when you're losing your cuz at the same time it's not just he losing his support, you know, she's losing her support. And so yeah. uh she so goes back she with her dad. So she goes back home to her yeah, she goes back to her dad who she has a kind of fragile relationship with and they're able to rekindle their relationship as, as father and daughter. Um and it's a it's a beautiful, those scenes there are, are beautiful to watch because it's like, you don't, you've never seen this character of the father until like the last 20 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he naturally encompasses uh, the, like, it's not just being an, an American coming into like a French home. Uh, it, it this, The character of Ruben, who I, I, I identify as an American, but again, like Riz Ahmed is a British actor, but it's also this, you know, they're identifying Ruben as different, not also because he has a cochlear inter- implant or anything. It, it's just a different energy. There's just a different energy going on. And yeah. there's this, and, and the energy isn't necessarily one that is identified as a positive. And this, there's that he beautiful- didn't fit, like those cochlear implants didn't fit for him. He kind of didn't fit into that, that new home situation with the girlfriend and the girlfriend's dad. Well, this wasn't working. It, the the two scenes that are really beautiful are there's three, and like the end scene is really beautiful. But the two two in the um at the house is at the dinner party when she starts singing, and yeah. you can tell like it's the only thing that he connects to with this. And then that scene when they're in the bedroom together, and you can tell like it's. It's so hard. Like I remember watching it, getting really emotional, being like, "Oh, it's so hard to let go of people you love," 
and tell right. them that it's better for us not to be together than to be together. And that's a very interesting difference than before sunset where it's like two characters who like, you know, have already made lives for themselves, not together, end up shockingly becoming together at the end, in my opinion, a little shockingly. And then these yeah. two characters in uh, Sound of Metal who like, you really are rooting for to be together. And then, and like they are together in the beginning and they have this very cute life and uh, it just wasn't really meant, like they've accepted that it's not meant to be together and, and it's heartbreaking. I don't think there's a lot of great films that, I don't think there's a lot of films that acknowledge a good breakup, like a healthy breakup that is mutual like that. And, and I thought they did that very, very, very well. Yeah, because it, it seemed like in the in the bedroom scene, uh, and spoilers, uh, is that that yeah, it seemed like that she was trying to break it off. It didn't seem clear to him. I don't think that he was trying to listen to that. And then I feel like the scene where she was where she was singing with her father, and and this is where like the, all the soundscapes are, are incredible. Um, and I, I think, uh, it will definitely win for best sound because that, it was incredible that what they did with sound, uh, to show how his hearing had changed dramatically, um, to show the difference between, um, having a cochlear Im implant versus just natural hearing. I just, I thought that was so well done. And so when she's singing, and we're hearing it through his uh, his experience, like with the cochlear imp implants, and it sounds staticky, and it sounds like it sounds like like radio wave from like 1950 on like a like a I, I don't know like a like a airplane radio or something like it doesn't it it just sounds like totally out of out of this world, and um, like everyone is charmed by the singing with her, you know, the dad and daughter singing, but like, he's not because it, it doesn't sound as beautiful as like what we're hearing. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought that was incredible. And that's, that's what I, I think uh, it was after that moment that he went outside. Yeah. And he finally went outside and went for a walk. And then, then he just took those uh, ear, ear, ear plugs out and he was like, forget it. And he just, sat in silence which is what Paul Reese was trying to get him to do all along mm -hmm. acceptance uh and it's something like it's I would love to read more takes of the deaf community and how they felt like the film was uh representing the community and stuff like that so I personally love films that uh I'm, I'm a big ASL nerd I love mm -hmm. films that have ASL in them and I love TV shows that have ASL and it. it's one of my favorite mm -hmm. languages. Um, but uh, I do think that, uh, you know, it definitely left me wanting more uh, Sound of Metal and, 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 in, and in good ways. Like I would, I think I would watch or, or see this story for another hour or so, see him either like come back and rekindle like relationships from the halfway house or, uh, yeah, I mean, those are, those are such amazing moments. Um, it, I, I think that they, it captured the the power of conversation and language so well in those mm -hmm. moments. He really he really found um, uh, really close relationships, and then he just blew it up with you know getting the yeah. operation. Yeah, it's uh, it's very. I, I think it that's that's a very interesting thing that happens sometimes with 
not everyone, but, but some people in that community, um, you know, uh, as I think, as they say in music, like it's the idea of selling out. Uh, and it's yeah. something that, that I know, like with other people I talk to, you know, uh, everyone's own insecurity of, uh, what their identity really is, is that like, mm-hmm. what, what really is part of, you know, part of your identity, um, the deaf community, uh, it seems like, um, you know, for the longest time, and I think still do, uh, value their deafness as being part of their identity and their community the same way that, uh, you know, different ethnicities, uh, value their, uh, background or even like skin tone as part of their identifying feature, you know, like it's, it's something that they don't, a lot of them don't choose or want to change. Um, yeah. And so, but I, but I think that yeah. for someone like Ruben, though, and I, I think that's that's so true. But for someone like Ruben, who was totally new to the game, um, the game meaning, or just the new to the community, um, uh, and and re- a reluctant member of the community, mm-hmm. he just he wasn't ready to accept himself. Oh yeah, his new his new place in life because it's a difference between, so I guess it's to, to put it in another way. It's the difference between people who feel it as a loss because they had something and now they don't have it anymore. And some people who were born or grew up with that way of life. And it was like, there was never anything they lost. They, they always had, does that like, right? You know, yeah. 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 And so, so it, it there, there's totally like this whole, there's totally all whole like a uh, grief cycle that he right. goes through with the loss. It's, 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 tr- it's like beautiful and beautifully tragic. Like I, right. I yeah. Love- it's incredible. Yeah. This, the traumatic loss of, of his hearing, the traumatic loss of his relationship, his band, uh, everything that was keeping him sober is now gone and he's gonna he has to find a new a new way of living Mm -hmm. um which is what was so amazing about that um that halfway house and so sad that that he he gave that up and hopefully i hope at the at the end that that just like in uh (laughs) you know going back to before sunset you know they they come together maybe he goes back and then and then they'll all be together in in a community I would watch an Amazon. They had his back. Oh yeah, I would watch a, another feature. But if that would never happen, then I would watch a series based on that feature. Like I, I really did. I I love Sound of Metal a lot, and I I do think, um, I do hope that we have more stories coming out like about the deaf community and the people in the deaf community because I, I I like their stories are, are very beautiful and fascinating to me all but like I like I am sad that uh the like I haven't seen Coda yet which was at Sundance this year which mm-hmm. is also like a, a film about child a child of death adults and then uh there's the um that horror film that was supposed to come out last year the sequel that did not come out that might come out this year the john krasinski uh emily oh oh uh, quiet 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 place yeah part two yeah quiet place part two so quiet (laughs) oh so quiet (laughs) 
<laughs> everyone everyone's favorite uh Bjork song. Yeah, everyone's favorite Bjork song. <laughs> oh, so- okay. So um so yeah, so now now let's play a game. said that and it's uh what i've titled in it's entitled who said who said this war on woke edition so this is not necessarily a war on woke um but there are a couple quotes that have to do with wokeness i just thought was kind of funny um especially like with the oscars is going to be cool because this is the most diverse in the nomination so it'll be really interesting i hope chloe zhao does win um i i love uh emerald fennel and and the color and the beauty of promising young woman but i didn't really like the movie that much um i guess we can talk about that later if we have an episode about whiteness (laughs) I, i think it kind of falls in that uh like white feminism. I would um, so I would love it. that. I would love that. Yes. We can talk about that later, but uh but in the meantime, let's play a game. We're on woke. And so uh the so I'm going to rattle off some quotes and this is uh like some quotes that like people have said this week um this month and uh you will try to guess who they are. Do I get multiple choice answers? No multiple choice answers. It, it uh, somehow um, maybe something will 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 pop in your mind. This and, is like harder oh, no. than you're like harder than. Wait, wait, don't tell me. No multiple choice. Oh, yeah. wow. oh my direct competitor, of course. <laughs> so okay, so number one, I'm not traveling across the country and paying thousands of dollars to watch someone I do not know express themselves. Who said that? The way you said that makes me think it's something like Werner Herzog said, but I don't think that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't, but but I love it. Um, I don't know. Can okay, I get a clue? So, uh, I'll just tell you. Okay. Uh, so, eh, I'll just tell you. So, a man named Jonathan Boskerkek or Bozarek, he wrote an op-ed in Orlando Sentinel uh, recently, or yesterday or today, um, the twenty the 22nd of April, about how woke Disney World has become. Okay. So his opinion piece for the Orlando Sentinel discusses how wokeness is forcing him and his family to reconsider their commitment to the theme park. Uh-oh. I don't, I don't need this... Is he British? I don't need this. I don't need this man's money. The American dude. Not even like, I'm not like, you know, it's not like I own Disney or anything. I'm not from the Disney family, but like, we don't, they don't, they don't need, we're not a we, they don't need his, like, who cares? But also, well, yeah, mm-hmm. Colette, like, how the fuck did you expect me to guess that? <laughs> like, I thought if you were on Twitter. I, if you were on Twitter. Everyone was talking about this dude. Oh my god! Yes, Patricia Arquette. Patricia Arquette. She tweeted the best clapback. She tweeted, "This guy is taking the Christ out of Christian if he doesn't understand why racism imagery is not acceptable." 
No, I completely concur with what Patricia Arquette says. I'm just thinking that, like, yeah, I, I did not hear this quote. And I was very, <laughs> I was like, I was like, girl, like, we can't even pronounce this guy's name. Is he really that, in, like. Oh, so you're like, just, you're just questioning my test altogether, my quiz. You're I'm just like, like uh, I'm an overachiever. So the fact that I, I got one question wrong so far, I am pissed as fuck. <laughs> all right, all right. This is, this is. Uh, peak don't, Virgo moment. Yeah, don't uh, but don't don't say anything. Can't take it. Yeah, I like. I was like, yeah, I, I'll totally like. This is my moment of like being like, I need to Karen these questions. Like, can I see them? Like, is this really okay? Like, okay. All right, Karen. Karen shortly. Second. So number two, California is worth fighting for. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Uh, her stepkids are major reality stars. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner. Yep. She oh, because she's now- running for governor. Yep. Yeah. Gross. Uh, yeah. Next. I'm glad I thank yeah. you. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I love how you said, I love when you went, uh, Clue. Her stepkids, and I was like, it's not Kamala Harris. <laughs> oh, oh, Mama, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> never. But it was, but yeah, okay. Yeah, pretty gross because uh, Gavin Newsom. I mean, I, whatever, he's fine. He's he's doing his job. I'm I'm not like um, gonna be. Uh, I don't I don't know. I'll give him ten bucks to keep his job. Like I think he's doing a fine job. I don't think that. Uh, we'd need another sort of like movie star, you know, TV star to run I, I California. I don't think we, we definitely don't need a, a Jenner. No. Or a Kardashian. Don't. I don't, I think. No, no, thank you. That's okay. That, yeah. yeah. Especially someone that's um, very conservative. Yeah. Very conservative. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, Keep that. Someone, anyway. who, someone who thought Trump wasn't going to, to, like bring it it's like we i trusted you like yeah please i'm making faces yeah. i'm like yes. none of that yeah. makes sense trust no okay okay so, so here's another tricky quote to stump you also pa- partially kind of uh tangentially can i use that in this uh word uh related um it's number three you can't fight every battle you gotta pick your battles who said that i mean i feel like a lot of people say that a lot of people have said that (laughs) i i don't think it's a uh, an uncommon thing to say i'm assuming it's (laughs) not oscar related it's Uh, not oscar related it is oscar it is not, yes. but it is related to the last person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Kanye West? No. I don't know. OJ. Oh, so related, OJ, not like literally related. Like, yes. Like, it, yeah. It's somehow like in, the, in a six degrees of separation. Okay. What did exactly. OJ? What was, yeah, I didn't know this at well, all. And I'm okay. The two that I got wrong. Like really wrong. I, I know you gave me a hint for the second one, but the two that yeah. I really got wrong, I'm like, I think I I earned getting those. Like I'm like, 
Can five other people tell me that they got it right? I don't know. Okay, tell me about this. Tell yes. Me about OJ. So, so OJ took to social media uh, on April 22nd mm-hmm. uh, to address the controversy surrounding NBA star LeBron James for his tweet targeting an Ohio police officer and slammed the media for showing edited versions of the shooting that resulted in the death of 16-year-old Makia Bryant. So this is where I – because, like, uh, I I, I wanted to highlight uh, sort of jerks, mm-hmm. and so OJ is the, yeah. of the jerk persuasion. This is, this is all jerk. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I understand that. I'm like, no, these are all jerks. These – yeah i should have i should have just said like shitty names like the whole time and then i would have got yeah. except for the first one there's no yeah. way i would have gotten that but yeah wow yeah pretty gross so the next one number four oh, yes yeah, there's more there's uh, there's three more and then okay. we're done okay uh so this is uh someone who who's kind of a jerk to me i, <sighs> I think he's a jerk but i don't know what a dick other people have have uh have their own opinions. Anyway, number four, I'll grow up next summer. Sin, like S I N, all caps, sincerely, birthday boy. So that the in the sincerely, sin is uppercase. The rest of the word is lowercase. So I'll grow up next summer. Sin, sincerely, birthday boy. Sin, uh, always in the gossip, gossip rags. Machine Gun Kelly, like I don't know. Yes. Oh, I was right. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, he seems like a jerk. So Machine Gun yes. Kelly, he recently celebrated a birthday. I just seemed like a jerk to me, so I just wanted to put him in this uh, quiz. I mean, that that's accurate. I think that's the name of one of his songs. Sincerely. No, no, no. I'll grow up next summer. I think is the name of one of his songs. Oh, gross. Yeah. 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 Good luck with that. Uh... Uh, okay, so now the bottom part of this quiz, they're not particularly jerks, but jerks thing, jerk things might have either happened to them or they've played jerks in the past. So number five, the director was like, it looks too real. It looks too painful. Can you be prettier when you cry? Cry pretty. She's a billionaire mom. She's a bill. Oh, what Gwyneth Paltrow? Like, no. Uh, Vanessa Bryant? Like, I don't. I have. Give up. Yeah, I do. Jessica Alba. Yeah, I wouldn't have figured that. Yeah. What was she crying? Okay. So she quit acting when the Fantastic Four director told her that she needed to cry pretty. (gasps) Oh. She played the Invisible Woman in Fantastic Four. Um, BuzzFeed recently added her to a round of, um, you know, they do those like roundups, those mm-hmm. like listicles. And so she was in a roundup of movies where some actors regret doing um, certain roles, including Michelle Pfeiffer. She regrets um, ever doing Grease 2. No, I was going to say not Grease 2, not Grease 2. That bummed two. me out. That bummed me out because that's the most awesomest movie. It is. It's so great. I don't know why she would say that. This yeah, very, yes. I'm. I'm so sorry. I probably sound so <laughs> snotty because I'm like being so emotional right now. Yeah. I I was literally thinking about that film yesterday while I was driving, and I 
I, I was singing in the car to myself and I said, I want to see a C O O L R I D E R. Yes. Yes. Cool, 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 cool rider. I don't know why she would say that. Like I'm, yeah. I'm crying thinking about it. I don't. Nothing can burn me through and through. Whoa. <laughs> I want yeah. a rider that's cool. Yeah, that would be that's brilliant. I I actually thought I really did. I thought about that movie yesterday and how like that's just I'm really sad. What was really No, I know, Michelle, let's get it together. We we got fans. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked. I'm very angry right now. I might have to like get off this podcast just now to like I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna I'm like, did you hear this? Did you hear what Colette yeah. just told me, Max? Yes. Like, wow. That, yeah. I, mm. But I would not have gotten Jessica Alba. Um, I do, you know what? She isn't like that great of a part in that Fantastic Four movie. But I I thought that film highlighted uh, uh, something that I think Chris Evans is immensely good at, which is like uh, comedy. I think, I think Chris Evans is usually a pretty underrated comedy guy now. Uh, and I thought him in, funny. yeah, him, Chris Evans, nice out. Chris Evans in Fantastic Four is a lot like Chris Evans in Knife Out and Knives uh-huh. Out, Knives Out. He, he plays the bad boy who like, no, he's like, I don't get like that, that song. Uh, I don't give a fuck is basically about Chris Evans in both Ooh. of those films. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah, he has so much fucking swagger and, and he's such a dick to everyone else in the film. And I think it's, I don't know, I, I loved Chris Evans and Fantastic. I honestly, I some like every Marvel person is going to like torch me after this. I, I think Chris Evans is like a better like Johnny Storm than he is like a Captain America. Like I, and, and I like Chris Evans as Captain America. I do, but I don't think... I, Michael B. Jordan also did a Johnny Storm and I, I don't, you know, Chris Evans brings like the humor to that character that I thought was really, you know, he, like, he, like the character's a very attractive character, but the, but the character is like an attractive character who's like vain and egotistical and like funny about, you know, like that's, that's entertaining. I, uh, the other person who does that really well is, uh, out of all of the Chris's is Chris Pine. I think Chris Pine did a great, uh, he did a great uh, Prince in Into the Woods. So uh, yeah, some of those Chris's are really great actors and not uber conservatives. Some of them. Like Chris Pratt. No yeah. thanks Chris Pratt, but yeah, all the other Chris's may, may stay. Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. Chris Pratt, yeah. chat, sashay away. Is, sashay is one of the answers Chris Pratt in this? No. No. Oh, this week. He's pretty quiet this week. Um, the last one. I think you might get it. I predict. Even a lifelong Slytherin will occasionally let a Weasley win. Oh, did did uh what's his name say that? Uh uh the guy who plays Malfoy, I don't know. Nope. Don't say anything. Yeah. Uh, who lives in Venice, like makes his music. I and lives in Venice. I'm pretty sure he lives in Venice. Oh, nice. Yeah. You should. Uh, what did you say? 
Not too far from me. Not too far from you. Um, give me, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hiking. Uh, it's pretty British. It is. A, I was going to say it's a very, it's a very British name. Uh Oh, I see the lights, the lights of the Google. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not it's not <laughs> um gosh and this is why I left my phone in the other room I've thought about like I've had anxiety about it like three or four times it is a very British name it's Draco Malfoy it doesn't matter yes I'm right. Draco Malfoy aka Tom Felton Tom Felton I yes. thought, I was like Tom Hiddle nope Tom Felton yeah but it's the other Tom uh, so Tom Felton, he recently played golf with the Weasley, an actor named called in in actor called James Phelps, and he shared it on Insta. Oh, that's one of the twins. Yep, that's one of yep. the twins. They hung out. They hung out. They played golf. Did and you? I guess that Weasley won. He's like right down. Like seriously, I'm just look at uh, Tom Felton's Instagram. I think yeah. he's like down the street from you. Nice. He needs to come by the Crenshaw district. He, but Crenshaw, what's that? Uh, I, I feel like I'm missing one more question. No, that's it. No. That yeah, that's it. We did it. Now I like, want, wanted more questions after I got every question wrong. Yeah, but you know what? That's all right. It's just, uh, it's just a game. That's true. It's just a game. I should be, I will not be a sore loser about it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's always redemption. Always. Redemption. Um, okay. So uh, what? Okay. So let's close it out. What's what's something that's making you happy these days? Um, rice crackers. Nice. Yeah. Where? Where them? Uh, my friend who my friend whose dog I'm babysitting uh, uh, gave me like a packet of rice crackers, and they're right Ooh. here by my workstation. And they make me happy. But I, oh, uh, Waffle, I was just talking to another great uh, tri person. Shout out to Christina. Waffles and Mochi. Like, I. Oh, on Netflix? Yeah. Do you I have to your... check it out. Michelle Obama produced. Oh, my gosh. I love Waffles and Mochi. It makes me so happy because uh, my partner and I are watching Attack on Titan right now. That does not make me happy. It's like great, but it doesn't make me happy or it's just intense and just doesn't make me happy. But like Attack watching, on Titan. uh, it's an anime. It's a great anime based on a manga, wow. but, uh, anyways, waffle and mochi fucking totally into waffles and mochi. Uh, that oh, made, nice. and the, uh, animated shorts walk at the Oscars. I watched that the other night and I, it's actually a, a brilliant shorts block. If you get a chance, I heard that maybe Amazon will be playing the shorts after okay. uh, after the Oscars, but I'm not sure. But pro tip, I, pro tip, pro tip, tip. yeah. Uh, I also there are the 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 ones that are not on Netflix are really good. Uh, that's that's what I'm gonna say for now. But uh, there there's like there's a there's like two shorts that are beautiful and mesmerizing. And uh, they, uh, since this is airing after the Oscars, they did not win because for political reasons, because, you know, like we have to make people happy and, and people present. But uh, they were they, there were two amazing shorts that were nominated this year that uh, like you. They already know. They already know that they've lost. No, I think I'm, I'm talking like in the future, like they, oh, they're oh. like. 
they're like the films that you would have wanted to win, but they just because of their artistic capabilities and their storytelling and like it it seems like different there's you know in the politics of Oscars like there are many Ooh. films that like end up winning that aren't like the best film uh or, yeah. or the coolest or like but but everyone should be considered like you know it's an honor just to be nominated or it's an honor just to to be around such great so just like see yeah. watch more short films and watch more short animated films they're amazing um, they are. Yeah. So those are things. What, what's making you happy this week? What's making me happy? Thank you so much for tossing it back to me. Uh, what's making me happy is that I have, uh, I got my second shot. So that's good. I got over with. Um, symptoms haven't been uh, terrible. So, you know, knock on wood to that. Uh, I started running and I want to keep running. I want to keep going. And I, I started a new pilot. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm working on that. And uh, that's 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 it. Do you want people to find you? How can people find you if you want them? To yeah, find you? Uh, people can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is raincheck uh, at raincheck on reality. That's my Instagram handle. Nice. Yeah. I'm is right. that your philosophy? It is very my- like Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I mean, with bongos and stuff. But no, uh-huh. I I feel like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of times that my life is taken a rain check on reality. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually a gratitude thing. It's it, for me, it's like to be grateful for, for the things that like, it's like, look where you are in life. Like you got a free ice cream cone today or look where you are. You're, it's like a sunny day and, uh, you get to go to the beach. Like it, it, yeah, it's, no, it's about like, being present. It's about being present. It's exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's what uh rain check on reality like it, you know it doesn't sound like it's about being present but it actually is that like your reality is like is like something that's that's beautiful kind of um and then my twitter handle is uh at miju s uh so m-i-j-o-e-s uh that's my uh twitter handle so cool. that people can find me cool. on, on instagram or twitter um and uh give me a holler but actually just do it on instagram because it's more fun Yes, more visual. More visual, yeah. You can see some of my charcuterie boards, so. Your what words? My charcuterie boards. Ooh, you're a collector. I mean, you make me sound like uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy villain that way, but yes, I'm I'm an enthusiast. (laughs) I'm an enthusiast, so yeah. Where do I keep them? Uh In the kitchen, like. In a, like a special place, and uh, do you have them on display? No, do I don't. I don't have them on display usually. I don't know. I'm are really. They, stacked they are corner? stacked. Yeah, they're stacked in a corner, like the rest of my soul. Yeah, they're very, okay. Yeah. Check on reality. I'm not like great at. I I want to get a knack someday for understanding like decorating aesthetics and and making things look pretty. Like I I don't. I don't know how to do that in my home. Like I don't have display cases and things. Like I'd love to have, I think if I have a house someday, I'd love to have a display case so I could put my knickknacks and patty wax on there. Uh, but right now uh, my partner uh, will be like, what is this? Like, why do you have this here? It needs to have a place. It should be in the closet or something. Yeah. So I don't, we're not much of a, you know, uh, it, it, it was like pulling teeth to get artwork on the walls. So, uh, but, I love, but I love them, but I love them. But yeah. So uh, it's a, it's a process. It is a process. It is a process. 
but okay well in 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 uh we'll leave with uh, with that note is a it is a process life is a process <laughs> so we'll see you all next week i'm yummy coco keep your lamplight trimmed and burning thank you miju thank Good you night. thank you yummy coco Good night. Bye-bye.